Biafrans were massacred. I see, literally, my mom was the only survivor. I want to tell you what it means. My mom was born in 10, in a family of 10. My mom was the only survivor. Hello and welcome to Talk of Today, where we explore developments in science, technology, and society, and what they could mean for the future. I'm your host, Sam Barton. This episode today is quite different to what I normally do. Instead of talking about the developments that are going to shape humanity's future, we're going to be looking into just one example of how national interests are put before human rights and the inability of the current nation-state model to deal with issues of identity. My guest in this episode is Gosife Okenta. He's a master's student at the University of Queensland in Brisbane. We met at the start of this year and began what I thought would be a brief conversation. However, over the following two hours, Gosife brought to my attention the tragic plight of the Biafran people. His people. I was ashamed to admit I had never heard of the country. Biafra was a secessionist state in eastern Nigeria that existed from the 30th of May in 1967 to January 1970. In 1960, Nigeria became independent from the United Kingdom. It's an example of where the borders of the country do not reflect the cultural boundaries of the region. In some instances, these issues manifest in some ethnic groups being treated like second-class citizens. The problems that arose in parts of Nigeria, or some would say Biafra, has resulted in the deaths of millions to date. For the past few decades, the Biafrans have rebelled, seeking to secede from Nigeria to end years of marginalization, to have control of their political destiny so that they can build factories and roads, cities and bridges, so that they don't have to depend on somebody in the capital, where their pleas fall on seemingly deaf ears. I thought I'd share the story of Gosife and the Biafran people to not only highlight the tragic history that many of you, like me, might not have been aware of, but to also get you to think about just a few things, like what is a national identity, and how does it differ to the attachment one has to their religion, or the city or state that they live in? In a world where countries can be created and destroyed with a flick of a pen, should the pursuit of the sometimes infuriating term national interests justify some of the atrocities that affect millions of people around the world? Like the offshore detention camps of Australia, where children are attempting suicide, or the abhorrent crimes committed in North Korea, or the global issue of the refugee crisis, or the ongoing plight of the Biafran people. These countries are social constructs. Their borders only exist in our minds, but the suffering of those shackled by the bonds of their national identity is all too real. Many of us in the Western world use our national identities as a way of shielding ourselves from the responsibilities to our common man. It's their problem, not ours. They're not our citizens. Let their own countries take care of them. I'll tell you this. We are complicit. We are a part of the problem. This is just one example of the issue of sovereignty in our globalized world. It's so interconnected and interdependent that what happens in one country can have global ramifications. Though I'm from Australia, I identify as a citizen of the world, a human being. I think it's time for us to formally recognize that we are bound by our humanity and this earth. Technologies available to us today can allow us to create a digital country that anyone on earth can join. And we can use this recognition to advocate for global interests and as a mechanism to deliver access to basic needs and human rights. If you'd like to hear more about this concept, head to www.globalcitizenship.today. What's outlined on the site are just a few ideas I have of what could be. I don't have all of the answers. But what I do know is that there are enough people in the world who identify as a human being first and foremost, and that technologies available to us today can make this a reality. If you are at all interested in this and you'd like to chat about it, please just reach out. You can get in touch with me through talkoftoday.com or the Talk of Today Facebook page, uh, Talk of Today Official. And without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Gosife Akenta. So we're sitting in my backyard. Um, it's a wonderful Saturday morning. We've got all our bird friends that are 
chirping along. We've got crows and magpies and you name it. So they'll be joining us in this conversation. They're there, welcome. Um, so if you'd just like to begin by introducing yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Chugugo Sife Okekenta. I'm a student of University of Queensland and um, I hail from Biafra in West Africa. It's a tiny, tiny country in West Africa that has remained uh, repressed for, for God knows how long. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so we met earlier, at, probably at the start of this year over the, over the holidays. I went into uni to do some work, you know, I was like, oh, it's the holidays and I can't do any work at home because I'm useless. So I'll go to the university and see if I can sit down and use the internet and um, get some shit done. And we were sitting next to each other at near the, uh, the cafeteria area. And I think you asked, I, I asked you if I could plug something in ne- next to the, the plug near you or you did the, something, you, you said the same thing or something like that. And we just started talking and we ended up speaking for like a, a whole hour and a half, uh, about, just how messed up the world is in general, but in particular, you highlighted uh, or you brought to light the what's going on in Nigeria with regards to the Biafran people and gave me a bit of a history lesson and just really made me aware of the plight of the Biafran people, something that I, I hadn't even heard of Biafra. You know, I thought I think of myself as, you know, half-worldly. Like, I, I kind of know a, a, a bit about the world, but when it came to... The goings on in Africa and Nigeria and Biafra, particularly, I just had absolutely no clue, and that conversation was quite stirring. I think we 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 had a wonderful time. Um, it was sad, but it was very um, it was deep. I think yeah. we we really connected yeah, was, and had a yeah. really really good conversation. So over the past couple of weeks, we, we've caught up over the past you know one or two yeah. times over the past couple of months, and um, each time we catch up and we speak about. And, you know, you tell me about what's going on. I just, I feel like people need to hear about this. And so here we are, um, just having a conversation, just bringing to light what's going on in the area, uh, back home for you with your friends and family. And, um, yeah. So, where is Biafra? What is Biafra? Who are the Biafran people? And what? Are the events that have led us to where we are today or where you are today all right thank you and biafra is um a territory in west africa bordering um the atlantic at, on this on this southern part of it and then the, on the north you have the nigeria so if like if africa's it's like kind of in the on that overhang part of Africa, yeah, where you have where, where it would connect where, to South America, it's that if you were to get South America and Africa and put them together and like as jigsaw pieces, it's the big it kind of central west. Uh, no, nope. it's okay. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's basically where you have the it's bordering on the south, it's bordering the ocean, mm-hmm. where you have you know Africa has mm-hmm. a shape of a gone. Mm-hmm. So where you have the trigger, the trigger, the trigger that's yeah. where Biafra uh-huh. lies on the trigger. How appropriate! Yeah, how where, appropriate! Yeah, yeah, it lies on the trigger. In fact, that it, it was. Um, if you remember this, um, this uh, the man who saw tomorrow. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. No. Uh, okay, if not, um, what's his name? Uh, I'll remember his name. Yeah, the, man, yeah. the man who saw tomorrow. He he talked about Biafra. Some, some that that was about four hundred years ago. Okay. Yeah, he said sometime a country that lies on the trigger on the continent that looks like a gone would those those were his prophecies mm-hmm. would would rise. You know, I mean, well, I for those of them who believe in prophecies. Mm-hmm. So so literally Biafra lies on the trigger. You know, so and the Biafran people. Are made up of um, predominantly the Igbo tribe, you know, IGBO, you know, it's the it was anglicized originally. Origin it's Igbo, but you know, the white people when they arrived the shores of of West Africa, where the where the different land lies, um, they called the Igbo people. They couldn't pronounce it. They called Hebo. They called H E E B O, then Ebo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's metamorphosized to Ebo, E B O E. You know, you know, it was just you know, you know from one form to the other, until we had the correct spelling. You know, 
presented the correct spell, spellings to them. So the Igbo people are predominantly uh, in Biafra with other uh, cousins of them, you know, other tribes. You know, we usually don't refer to them as minority because um, we we don't believe people. You can't be minority if in, everyone else is a minority. Yes, <laughs> yes, you understand. So I mean, you, you, it has to be minority against you're in your land. You can't be a minority. So we usually don't refer to them as minority. Just we just mention other tribes. So we coexist. We've been coexisting. We share the same anthropological and uh, similarities. You know, we we are one people. Same value. You know, you know. We, same dress. Same, same food. dressing. Same food. Same culture. You know, for thousands of years. You know, so before the arrival of the Europeans. So when the Europeans came, basically, you know, they, they sought to, I mean, it was, it was their quest for resources. So when they came, you know, they discovered that the land was rich of, was rich of mineral resources. So, you know, they were seeking for ways to, you know, get those territories together all over Africa. This was happening at the same time all over Africa. So they were, but particularly in Biafran territory, we were seeking ways to, you know, so, but the people they met there were, they, they, they kind of had a system of governance or government for themselves, which was just so difficult to penetrate. Biafran people were Republicans. They had what they call Council of Chiefs. In English, they call it chiefs, but we call them elders. In traditional Igbo language, we call them Omonna. You know, so these were the people that decide what happens in this society. They make the laws. They make the Just, laws. This the, is for for the one tribe or the or the many tribes. Okay. For the tribes. <clears throat> for okay. the tribes. So they're, as you said, they are not minorities, but all these different tribes of people had chieftains which came together. Yeah, yeah. And, they had chiefs. Yeah, they that, had chiefs that, that yeah. yeah, they had chiefs that made laws for them. Mm-hmm. The chiefs represented each and every one of them. Do you understand? Those were the structures in place. So, but, um, you know, it, it was just hard for the Europeans. So when the uh, British, particularly when they came, you know, they, they explored the entire region of West Africa. They saw, um, in some places you were king, kings already in place, like in the northern Nigeria, where you have the predominantly Hausa Fulanese. You had What's that Hausa Fulani, Hausa Fulani, that's a tribe, okay. yeah, Islamic tribe, mm-hmm. Hausa Fulani. So they are predominantly Muslim. So they already had um, a monarchy system, more like um, a feudal system where you have one person at the, at the helm of affair and then the rest, just one person that controls the rest of the people. So, so then, you know, towards down the south, on the south, southwestern part of what is uh, presently known as Nigeria now, you have another set of people called the Yoruba people. Yeah, the Yoruba people have their monarchy system, you know, the Oni, they call it the Oni, so Oni of Ife. So everybody submits to the Oni. So it was just easy. So the British... So the Oni... Is, is, the, is the king. Is the king of all the most all, tr- all the tribes okay. in that part. He was okay. just the king. So, so the British, when the British got in contact with them, it was easy to interact and, and for easy, it was easy for Britain to, you know, to have them, uh, do whatever them, they say, uh, whatever the British says. Because they came into the top and spoke yeah, to the yeah, only. Yes, the spoke to the only yeah. and the only field has the message down. So it was just easy. The same thing was, was applicable to the north. But when the British now came down to the southern, to the Atlantic, down to the Atlantic, where the Biafrans are domiciled, it was just difficult for that to happen because these people had people, I mean, it was Republican. You know, there was no one person that made laws. So it was hard. So the British tried so hard. It was so difficult for them. So they had to start erecting kingship for us because we never had kings. So they, they, they what they call and what they call indirect rule, indirect rule system. So they, they, they initiated and introduced them indirect rule. So started erecting, um, rep, reps, persons. So neglecting our system. So people would now have to submit to those people and those people will now, will now dance to the caprices, whims and caprices of the, of the, mm-hmm. of the slave master. So basically. So this, and the slave master, here you mean, the the British, British. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. So they came in. They brought in instead of participating in the the local way. They yes. brought they put in 
people yes, that they yes. wanted to run the place. Yes, they wanted to and run the they, place. through them, brought about whatever sort of change they wanted to yes, see. Yes, that, that was basically what happened. So that was part of the reason how those were, those were how the system, the old system they met was broken. You know, those, those what led to the balkanization of the systems. They was met. it quite violent? Hmm? Was it violent back then or was it? Yeah, it was. It was because we rejected it. So they were, people were being shot. Shot in the day, people were being so just king. standard colonialization. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it was just, it was just too much. People were being killed because we were. It, it was alien to us. We don't know what that is. One person can't make laws for us because we believe that no one could be king in our value system. We believe no one could be king. Only the supreme being that made the earth, because we believe in the supreme being that made the whole world. So we believe he's the only one that would be king, not human. So erecting someone who tells us what to do and then and and is unquestionable. You can't question his resolve. You can you can't talk to him. Humans as well. Yeah, yeah. human. Just a, a human. Yeah. 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 So yeah. those were difficult. So we had to we had to revolt against it. You know, we were being shot and all that. Our people at the time. And this is mm. in t- terms of time frame. Yeah. Um, this this happened in the in the 1900s. Uh-huh. You know before 1900 up until 1900 mm-hmm. because nigeria um until 1940 nigeria was put together in 1914 so this whole thing happened culminated into what brought about nigeria in 1914 after the entire system fell so the british amalgamated the whole territories into what they now call the nigger area mm-hmm. which is nigeria so so that was it yeah i didn't know that didn't know that was the origin of that name changes things slightly that's that's it so since then but all before then the the entire territories were called they were they, they were referred to as biafran territory they were the biafrans and the 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 water front that borders the land was called the bite of biafra so that's that's the shores that borders the land was called the bite of biafra you know so but all these things were unceremoniously swept away so that's it and that's the origin of well it's the origin story of the terrible things that followed right so all these different tribes and peoples were brought together under colonialization under the name of nigeria and then i say we the you know the white people put in their whoever they wanted to lead the country and then Terrible things followed. So, what has happened to the Biafran people and other, you know, tribes in Nigeria, and how has that evolved over the past century? Yeah, um, you know, basically, nations nations are, are exclusively the prerogative of the Lord Almighty. That's what we believe. Nations are formed through are created through wars or convergence or coalition of value system. You, 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 I can only live with you in this house if we, if we share same value. If, I, if we don't share same value, there's no point. It, it will be mean, completely meaningless for us to live in the same house. So you can only live with a woman or a man or anybody whom you share values, same values with. Someone that don't completely don't share uh, similar values with you, there's no point living. It's it would be it would be anarchy everywhere. It would be anarchy. So you know the British forcing coming into that part of the world and then balkanizing people and then forcing people into unions and where they share irreconcilable value system where you have people who believe that if you don't believe in what they believe, you die. I mean, these are different values, but you have to coexist with them because the British says, you know, these are the, these are the, basically the, the general problem of Africa as I speak to you today. I've, this is, this is the fundamental problem of Africa. People are fused together in unions. They are not compatible with, look at what happened. Look at the European countries. Look at when European countries were all fused together up until 1990, between 1990 and 2000. Look at what happened. They were all back and today, today you don't see fighting anymore. They all they all they engage in is in battle for civilization. 
who who will make the best cars, who will make the best uh, standard of living, who will make the system more far more uh, civilized than what he, than than the counterparts. Those are what's happening in Europe because they understand what self determination is. So basically, British coming into the territory yeah, and that's then, that's a very important point. Yeah, the right to self, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the right to self determination. Yeah, right to self determination. It's, they, a, it's they, a UN. It's you know it's it's in the charter of yeah it is enshrined in the yeah. UN's charter in that was ratified in two thousand and seven August two thousand and seven the right to, that was it was it was championed by Condoleezza Rice and Bush you know so they they saw this oh let's let's make this thing possible since some some for the errors of the Europeans in people's territory let's just correct these things by allowing a space in the UN charter that allows people to seek for their self-determination so they, these things were made possible but today i mean you know it's it's still i mean not effectively practiced because um the same people you know they would always stand in between justice you know well, i guess it's the the issue of sovereignty in that Sovereignty is the <clears throat> the supreme power over you know a certain territory, and even if a people want to self determine, it's up to the country to actually give them the necessary territory and and to relinquish part of their land and and all of that. And as we've seen, you know, over the well over centuries, no one really wants to give up power. No one wants to relinquish territories, especially if they are they are rich in natural resources or, or whatever. So it's um. The system itself is not built to deal with these sort of things. There's like an inherent flaw in the accumulation and just the, the holding, the withholding of power. Yeah. yeah, basically that. So the Biafran people, they want to self-determine because yeah. this whole thing, yeah, this whole thing happened because we were not. It was just impossible to cohabit with these people, in which we found ourselves in the same union with. We were, it was just difficult. This whole happening, there has been um, aggression from one aggression up until yeah, up until somewhere in the 60s, 1966. Um, um, a few young officers, you know, toppled the government because corruption and everything. They toppled the government of Nigeria in a coup, in a coup, military coup d'état. So and then that led to by the next year in 67. You know, that led to the war that started, you know, the war that broke out in Nigeria between the Biafrans and the, and the Nigerians. So that war lasted for 30 months. That's almost three years war in which the Biafrans were blockaded by the British air, land and sea. And then weapons were supplied to Nigerian governments and they were busy, you know, massacring people like as in children, women and children. Non-combatants, they were busy bombarding schools and where you have re refugees because we were literally refugees in our lands. So they were You're refugees in, in our lands. Land. Yeah, yeah, we were re refugees because they blockaded a land and sea. We couldn't escape to anywhere. So they were, we were being bombarded. So we had letters from foreign governments. We have classified documents. The aim was to exterminate us. That, that, those were the aims. It was the then government of Harold Wilson in uh, prime minister of uk then so the aim was to exterminate these people you know wipe them from the even it was even when nixon the president of america came to power it was when he saw the v he saw the pictures of what the gory pictures of what was going on you know although america was never helpful in any, in any way but you know at least he felt uh, empathy about, I mean, what, what was going on? People were literally, human beings were literally slaughtered. He, he, children were literally bombarded. I mean, they were, so this by whole, the Nigerian yeah, government. by the Nigerian yeah. government because they used Egyptian pilots. They used the British supply, the weapons. They used the Egyptian pilot because most of the pilots were the Biafrans. Most of the uh, trained soldiers were the Biafrans, but the Biafrans had to move into their territory because the war was against them. So they, they didn't have, Nigerian government didn't have trained officers to, so they were literally using the uh, Egyptian pilots and the Russian weapons and the British weapons. So just to give this some context, how many people uh, will currently live in Nigeria? How many people are Biafrans? And what is it about the Biafran land that is, uh, well, why, why, 
why do they want it? What what is it like? Do they have bountiful natural resources, or you know, you said there's the bite of Biafra, which is you know access to the sea, which is rather important. Yeah. Well, the Biafra land. When you talk about Nigeria being one of the largest oil producers, you're talking about Biafra land. It is not Nigeria. You know, it is it is not Nigeria. The entire oil and gas reserve, coal, and the rest of it you can ever mention, limestone. Name it. All are resident in Biafran land. These things is Biafran land. <laughs> this is what you, when you, the entire oil companies you're talking about are it, uh, Shell, BP, uh, Slum, BJ, Total. Uh, name them. They are all in Biafran land. Yeah. So it's about control for uh, control of resources. So that is what it's all about. So the British wants to have unrestricted access to the Biafran land. And what it means that if Biafrans, to them, if Biafrans were let to um, be in charge, or rather, rule Nigeria at, at least, because Biafrans, the, the rule the British, as in the rule the British gave to them was that the Biafrans should never be allowed to take uh, positions of leadership in that country. So they're second class citizens. Yes, they are made not even third class. Even even when their population says that they are majority in that part of in that part of the world, you know, conservatively the Biafran people, Nigeria is over hundred and hundred and seventy million people, as we speak, and Biafran conservatively constitutes about fifty million. Fifty million of that population. Like the close to the population of France or Britain or yeah 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 a, a major of some European countries. You know, so Biafran people conservatively are over 50 million people. You understand? But they are allowed to, to, you know, to fuse, to stay in that contraption called Nigeria. So when you talk about the resources in West Africa and particularly Nigeria, you're talking about Biafran land. So, but what has, um, been our drive to self-determination has never been about control of our resources. Uh, we want to just have control of our lives. We want to determine what to do, what professions to go into, how to develop our lands. We, we, we want to, these are basically, you know, to decide our own fate. These are the things, these are the things we want to do. It is not basically to have freedom, to, have freedom, to live like humans. You know, I, I've lived, I've lived here in some, in some, in some time now. I understand people, you wake up, you don't, you just don't want to work for anybody. I mean, those things are not applicable where I come from. You can't do that. You, you want to do whatever you want. This is what you want. You want to, this is your life. You want to live your life the way we can't. To exercise the freedom. Yeah, exercise. To live as we want. As, as you want as human. Because no one, no one, no one, you know, the moment you were born, you were born free. You were born free. You understand? That's exactly what we want to exercise. But we we, we wouldn't be let let to express those in an inalienable rights. You understand? So that is basically what the Biafrans are asking for. We are willing, as presently, we are willing to give anybody that wishes, you know, that wishes to um, take our natural resources for us to be. We want to be free. We want to be free. We are dying every day because the the jihad, the Muslim of the north, which the British gave powers to, these are they are they swore that they are going to dip their Quran in the Atlantic, meaning that they will have to conquer us. We will have to become Muslims. We die every day. They have the Boko Haram terrorist group. They have the Fulani headsmen, and then you have the jihadists in the army because they control the army, the police. Be written as them to control the army, the police, the air force, everything. So they literally wear the uniforms, but these are jihadists. They kill our people. People who protest, ah, we have not paid salary, they are shut down. Well, there was a protest just the other week, right? Yeah. And didn't, or, you know, a month or two ago. And yeah. how many people, uh, plenty, at least 100 people died or something yeah, of that over nature, 200 right? and over, Amnesty, Amnesty has a report. Over 200 people died. Over 200 were shot dead. In, since, for two years now, we've lost, for two years, our people that have died are over 1,000 people. Just, just by, by the erecting the last jihadist president, the current jihad, jihadist president that was, um, that was technically, uh, imposed on Nigerians by the British. He's a jihadist. He's a jihadist. So the, since he was elected, over 1,000 of our people have been murdered. 
broad daylight, they are shut down and nobody talks about it. Nobody. Yeah, well, as you know, we said at the beginning, and I would say most of the people listening to this have never heard of Biafra and let alone like what's going on in, in yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. So, so that has been our bane. That has been our plight so far. You see, people don't even understand that Nigeria, every day in Nigeria is a festival of death. Every day. Every day. One form or the other. One, f it is just not possible for people <laughs> not to die. Every day people die. Every day people die. You know, one thing people don't appreciate or one thing people don't seem to understand is that, you see, these territories that are, that were of, uh, that were colonies of the British, British colonies, the army they have and the police are not for the people. The armies are meant to kill the people. They have never engaged in any war. No, they have never fought. You have never seen Cameroon. Just like when you see the France are fighting the Germans. No, no, you don't see that. The Cameroon cannot fight. The army is for the citizens, the unarmed for citizens. Oppression. Yeah, for oppressions. These are colonial army. Yes. So all over Africa, Cameroon, look at what's happening in Southern Cameroon today. The army is for the citizens. Shoot them dead. Shoot them dead. That's what they are. You know, you understand. Just to so, stifle any uprising, yes, any, any any movement to yeah, self-determine. Yeah, to self-determine, to, to question the status quo, to see why are we living in poverty amidst so, abundant so resources. Tell me about what life is like for the Biafran people on the day-to-day. -day. Like, participating in Nigeria, what is the day-to-day -day life like? Because I, I know you said that, you know, you cannot assume positions of power. Is that in, in government, in, in the police, or even companies? What's the, what's the extent to which the people are oppressed? Because we're talking about what you said, 50 million people, right? This yeah. is, in a way, slavery. It's, yeah. yeah, that's what it is. It's modern-day slavery, economic and political. Yes, that's exactly. It's, it was even worse. It was, it's now even worse than what it was used to be in the, in the time of slavery. I swear down, it is worse. Now, when I talk about... Um, when you want to talk about the position or the place of the Biafrans within the contraption called Nigeria, you'll understand that there is, there is a, 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 an iron ceiling has been set already. What I mean is the constitution of Nigeria has already made it impossible for Biafrans to be able to participate in, in lawmaking in effecting the law, influencing the law, or at least coming up with something that would become a law. Like, let's say, the uh, passing a, a law or passing a bill for self-determination into the Constitution. It is just impossible because how? They gave the Biafran people five states as against the entire region, the north, the west, and the, you have the north. The, there are four regions in Nigeria. You have the north, you have the southwest, you have the southeast, you have the south south, and then you have the north central, and then northeast and the northwest. So now they gave the Biafran people five states within the southeast. They made them the southeast. They divided the south, uh, the southeast into southeast and south south. They now because they want to weaken the Biafrans. So that was after the war. So they made them. They, they now concentrated the Igbo people because these were the target. These, these people were the target. They now concentrated them under five states. And then within the uh, south. And, and five states out of how many? So five states there just are 36 within. Six states in Nigeria. 30. 36 states. Uh -huh. 36. So they gave them five within the region. You, you, within the region. You have six regions. You, you, they gave them five. Then they gave a uh, south south which were used to be Southeast, they were all together. They don't give them six states, which is five against six. Then the Southwest, where you have the Yorubas, they give them six states. Then the North, the North, who, who, the people who are in charge of Nigeria for the British, they now have seven states, six states, six states, six states. So, and one local government in the North has 40 one, one state has 40 local government, 40. Then meanwhile, in the south, you have one, one has, one has just eight local government, one state, one state has just eight, and one has 40. So it means that when you combine all the states in the, in the southeast, you cannot, you can, that can't amount to 40. 
14 local government. That is to show you. And these are the people that goes that go into the uh, parliament, into the uh, bicameral legislatures to make the laws. So what it means is that the, your five states and your representatives can never be able to make, can never be able to come, out, come up with laws or bills that can be passed into, into law in the land because you, you are a minority. You, you've already been made a minority. You know, that's exactly what's, what's happening there. So nothing, no, recently, as recently as, as two days ago, <laughs> they went, they brought in a bill for Southeast Development Commission for what was damaged since after the war. They are, the federal government has like never, 60 years ago. Like 60 years ago, like 50 years ago. For, for, they, they brought up a bill to, to, for the government to the, it was stamped down by the rest of the people because, they, I mean, it can't be passed because you guys are few. You can, there's, there's never, it's, there's never a time when you guys would we'll have a majority, yeah, we'll have anything, a majority yeah. in the house. It's just impossible. So that's what's going on. So, friends, I mean, mathematically, it is impossible for them to, to be able to influence the laws of the land or to be able to come up with a bill or law or to pass a bill into law. So they have, they have been mathematically been uh, excluded. Do you understand? So that's what's going on. It is not possible. So now, in terms of politics, the British make sure that the northern Nigeria always is always in position to rig the census and to make themselves majority and then to say that they are the majority uh, in population. And then in say it's democratic, yes. you know, this is democracy yes. actually working properly. This is how things are meant to be. Yes. Yes. Meanwhile, there's 50 million people yes. in the yes. South being yes. oppressed. In, in being oppressed. So that is it. The Biafrans, in terms of population census, in terms of Biafrans can't, because they always rig the, the last election will rig. The pictures, we have the evidence. Children were being used. Children, child, these are infantile voting. People, children were busy casting votes. These things were revealed. The facts are there, but nobody's going to ask questions. Nobody's going to come in because the British would always interfere with fair justice. You know, that is it. So the, the, the Biafrans, they have been, politically, you know, been disarmed, they, they can't amount to anything in that space. I mean, there is nothing, the, the only way they can only seek is by, by taking up arms or by going back through the instruments which the UN provided, of which, I mean, they have been yearning, they have been shouting for decades now. You know, there has, there has been a conspiracy against them. You know, they all connive to repress and then to make sure that the world does not hear their cry. So that has been that has been the bane of the Biafran people so far. So in the war fifty or sixty years ago, you say yeah, sixty years, 50 years, fifty years ago. ago. How many people died? How many over over, over six million people? Yeah. Over six million people. I mean So that's you know, that's more than you know, the Jews in the yes, Second World War, war and that's it's basically it's genocide. It was yeah, all yeah. Biafran it was genocide. People. It was genocide. It was just the Biafran people. You know, the reason, the, yeah, the reason it's not recorded. I mean, you're going to shout. You're going to be exclaim at that. You're going to ask questions. Why, amongst the international records for genocide, Biafran's genocide is not part of it. Why? Because the the people who are against it, they know what they know how much life that were lost. You can't talk about it. You can't. People would shout. They knew. So they can't even record it. They're talking about Rwandan genocide. They're talking about a few other people where 500 to 1 million people, 500,000 people died. Biafrans were massacred. I see, literally, my mom was the only survivor. I want to tell you what it means. My mom was born in 10, in a family of 10. My mom was the only survivor. The, the person that survived with her died later after the war had ended. My mom is the only survivor and I'm alive today. I want to, I want you to understand. 10. And the rest of the family were wiped out. I don't think one is that. Kwashiok or not, you know Kwashiok sickness? Where babies would have yeah, over bloated yeah, yeah. tummy uh, mm-hmm. because they, there was no food. Malnutrition. Yeah, malnutrition, no food, no, because they were blockaded. So, so that was it. So, it is, it was one of the worst crime against humanity. It is not talked about because it was, it was, I mean, you should know what it means not to talk about it was, beyond human what happened atrocities after the war 
every inch you can't there is i mean you cannot walk after the war you cannot walk dead bodies you cannot walk you have to, you have to be stepping on people for you to move yeah <laughs> that was how we died yeah and he did he, he was it wasn't like it stopped and we kept on dying until up until this day the day trump was was elected as president of america people were celebrating feeling that at least somebody who is not of jihadist leaning had had come to power in america our over 20 people uh, were shot dead over 20 people were army were sh busy shooting people in in nigeria, nigeria yeah. in their front land so so that is it it's terrible it's terrible as in i can't begin to talk these and not talk that i mean it is so much that i'm i'm even overwhelmed i don't know which one to talk about i'm just i'm just what, what's it like i mean we're in a bit of a bubble in australia I, I, personally at least so you know life is very good here and you, you know you're living you're living here and you know it's a comfortable life but each day you know what's going on back home i mean there's the radio station run by it's run by the nigerian state but we have a biafran radio that speaks every about, day yeah that speaks every day about our plight. it was recently that was recently as 2009 that the radio was um came to air you know because we we've been muzzled they, you know they use all forms to put us down including the policies and the and the and the well you don't the voice you don't have a voice we don't have a yeah. voice you can imagine in the nigerian state amongst over 250 tribes that make up nigeria the Biafrans has the highest cut of mark to enter into any unity school, any government school. They have the highest. So, if, if you might need 60%, someone might need 60% to enter, Biafrans might need 85% just yes. to enter. Yeah. Let, me, let me give you an example. Biafran needs to score 300 in, a, in, a, in an examination as against, as against 50 for people who has been ruling Nigeria since it was created. The same dummies who can't compete with the Biafrans are the people running, ruling against the Biafrans. Meanwhile, the Biafrans would have to score the highest to go into um, public schools. I mean, and so then... It's complete oppression, yeah, academic... Just and everywhere. Then you have another thing they call um, uh, quota system in the constitution and federal character. The quota system says that when there are five positions in any of the parastatals and people are you know people take the entrance and then and take the exam and then and then three three biafrans made it the quota system says no no for three of you we'll take just one and then take two from the north that didn't make it at all into that position because they are more in number that's what they say they are more in number and then take two and then take one from every other tribe that 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 made it or that didn't make it just to represent everybody that is what the apota system says and the federal character so the, we have to represent everybody it doesn't matter what's what's you know the the stake or the 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 importance of that position everybody has to be represented so what it means that they kill merits on the altar of one nigeria so the the they try to murder the ingenuity of the Biafrans or every other person that are not the northern Nigeria, the ruling people, you know, that is it. That is, I mean, we have, I mean, there is all sort of heinous policies and crimes have been committed against us. Everything you can, you can ever think of, they have been used against us. Our people have been traveling abroad. Our people are scattered all over the world, America, everywhere, Australia, everywhere. You know, trying to eke out a living because life is just intolerable, intolerable. So that has been that. And <clears throat> what's the the infrastructure like in parts of Biafra? You know, what are the roads like, in, and you know the the pathways and electricity? What's the access to those resources like in comparison with you know the northern parts of Nigeria? You can you can in the northern part of Nigeria you can drive for six hours closing your eyes. In the Biafran land, the roads are dead traps. There is a bridge that has expired for more than 20 years now, or going to 30 years now. The only bridge in Biafran land, the only major bridge in Biafran land is called the Niger Bridge. The Niger Bridge. This bridge, for decades, 
the government of the north, whichever government that comes to power, this there has been politics. Nothing has started. The only bridge has expired. The only bridge. But when you go to the northern part of Nigeria, you see new bridges. They are building new ones. They're flying bridges here and there. Where are the resources coming from? From Biafran land. So the roads in Biafran land, the interconnecting roads are dead traps. As I speak to you, when I said uh, uh, every day is a festival of death, it's either the government, it is the government-sponsored terrorism where the government are shooting the people. Or just neglect. Yeah. Or the Fulani headsmen are killing our people because they are moving their cattle to the south where you have the grazing grass. Or you have the Boko Haram bombing everywhere, killing people in churches. Because our people are the Christians. I mean, they go to churches and then bomb. And the churches are people die in the marketplaces where our people are traders. Our people are traders. So, and the roads, the roads are that accident every day. Accident, accident, accident every day. Oh, <laughs> if I show you some of the pictures in my phone, accident that happened recently, <laughs> you would be, you would be see where people are, are limbs and heads are in, are just. I just chopped off in an accident scene because the cars were so compressed that, you know, the parts would just, you know, go into human bodies. It's terrible. So what's happening now? Where, what, what, what's going on with the Biafran people? What, uh, what's the, I mean, I, we, we kind of express what the end goal is for, for the people. Um, how is that going? Uh, what sort of movements uh, have, have arised or have, have been around for a while. What's the current situation? Okay. Um, this whole thing led to, um, a young man who, a Biafran who's resident in London to, um, flute the radio station, which is the radio Biafra to educate the world, um, to educate the Biafran people and by extension the world about our plight, about what we're going through. Um, the radio has been around since 2009 sensitizing and educating our people on who we are and the reason why we need to stand up and then fight. It doesn't matter what is it, what the circumstances and the prices we'll have to pay. So the young man, he's educated in London, first, second and third degree. Um, he's the leader. He formed a group called the Indigenous People of Biafra, IPOB, um, uh, in over 88 countries around the world, gathering our people as they are scattered, gathering them, preparing them. So, but recently, as recently as 2015, he was, it was, um, most, he was caught by the Nigerian and he was kidnapped by the Nigerian, uh, security forces and then put in prison for months. Where was he kidnapped? Yeah. Where, yeah, he, where he, was he when he was kidnapped? Yeah. yeah. He, he's been coming and going. He's been coming and going, and it was when the radio was now making wave. A lot of people were now get buying into the truth because the radio was busy, was basically preaching the truth. What's going on in Nigeria? Because the world doesn't even know. So he was preaching the truth on the radio. So the radio was now gathering momentum. It was gathering sympathy. People were now listening and then getting educated. So um, when he planned to come to Biafran land. So he landed in one of the, because there are no international airports in Biafran land. <laughs> you can imagine a region that, pro, that provides 90% or 98% of what's of the revenue for the government. They don't have international airports. You know, that's sad. They don't have a seaport. <laughs> they have, they are by the ocean. <laughs> they don't have a seaport. <laughs> so it's just funny. There is, there, there are seaports, but they are shut down. The federal government shut the seaports down. And then they have they, they they use one seaport which is resident in the west, so so um, so that is it. Oh, what's this guy's name? Uh, his name is Namdekano. Namdekano, the leader of IPOB. Al Jazeera recently interviewed him. Oh, really? Yeah, because he he was he's been released, but on on stringent bail condition. He he won't grant interview to journalists. Uh, he wouldn't grant, he would have to be, he would have, he would have to provide a Jewish surety. He would have to, you know, the bills, he can't be seen in a gathering of more than 10 people. You know, it was a stringent, stringent bail condition, you know. So, but, um, so, um, from in 2015, he was kidnapped and then put in prison. And then after a few months, he was taken to court. I was tortured and then taken to court. 
and then the Biafran people have been protesting since then. Each time they come to court, the court on two, on three occasions have granted him bail because they couldn't find, there was no evidence. If the government was accusing him of treason, of trying to fight against the state, you know, and, and, you know, we, I mean, we were trying to, I mean, I mean, his uh, counsel was trying to let the, let the court know that self-determination is in, is, in, is in the law, is in the international law, which Nigeria is signatory to. It is for people to seek for their self-determination is enshrined in the United Nations law. You know, but I mean, that's please, they don't understand. Nigeria is a lawless, lawless empire. Nothing moves there. So they put him, they kept on taking him to court. They kept on looking for evidence. They couldn't find on three occasions, the government, the federal government, it was the president that put him in prison, not the president. It was the president. The president doesn't like him because he was speaking all the evils that the president, the current jihadist president, you know, participated in. So he speak, he spoke overwhelmingly about that. So it was the president, he said, because the president was interviewed by Adelzira. He, he said, he was a one. I mean, if you see it flagrant, 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 flagrantly, you know, that should, he should be remanded in the prison, you know. So that is it. So, you know, um, it, it kept on happening. The Biafrans kept on protesting. They were being shut down. They kept on protesting. Each time they, 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 they get up to protest, they, they, they'll be, they'll be shut down. Sometimes as recently as 9th February 2016, they were, Praying in the field somewhere in Biafran land, the army went there where they were praying. Women and women, children, youths, they were shot. The video is there. Poor Darcy, the ones that were survived on the bullets, some bullet wounds, you know, they were acids were used on them on their faces just to be poured. But very few survived, with, but, but their faces have been. I mean, the amnesty saw this, it was hell. If you see, a lot, a lot is going on there. I mean, so, I mean, so until. Until um, a few months, that was uh, um, last month or, t or two, last month, um, the leader took it, took ill. So, and his council kept on pressing that he needs, he needs, because he seized his international, his, his British passport. They said he can't travel abroad, he can't, he can't do anything. So, they now granted him bail on health grounds, then, which, stringent bail conditions he can't be seen in a gathering of 10 people of which this is a person that controls over 70 million people over 70 million people you know around the world because the Biafrans living living around the world everything in totality are over 70 million people this is a man that controls them you're you're asking not to be in a gathering of 10 people that he cannot be seen in a gathering of 10 people so they gave him so they released him on health grounds. So since he's been released, people have been visiting from all sundry, including the foreign journalists. They were coming. Al Jazeera just came the other day, um, interviewed him. Al Jazeera was like, um, you know, they asked him questions about his <laughs> the bail conditions. I mean, he, you know, and a few other questions and all and everything. So he he insisted that we'll, we would have to go through referendum as as recognized. Just like the UK and the Scot Scotland that have gone for referendum and they failed and they are going for another referendum to leave UK, the association. Yeah. So we are insisting on going through referendum. So that was what he said recently. Um, a lot of people have been visiting him, different leaders from different places within Biafran land, different groups, different pressure groups, different, including foreign journalists, a lot of people. They've been visiting him, you know, he's a prince. He's in he's in in his father's palace, you know. So and he's an heir to his father's throne, you know. So, you know, that has that's what's going on now. The Biafrans are still insisting on the on the 30th of May. The Biafrans celebrated or commemorated. Um, um, they are fallen heroes, the people that died in the sixty-seven, the Three Years' War, that gulped over six million of their people. You know, they remember their heroes, the people that were for the fought to the last man. You know, they, you know, they were celebrated 50 years and then remembered them. So that was recently. But what was remarkable on that day was that Biafrans declared sit at home. So they shut down the whole of Biafran land. The government deployed army and the police. They refused. The government of Nigeria refused that, that the people can't do that. 
you know, like take the day off. Yeah, yeah can't take it, yeah, can't take the day off. You can imagine. So you can imagine the kind of the kind of force. As in, for are you go, are you going to force people out of their homes to go and indulge in business, to go and go to school, to go to markets? You can imagine they deployed uh, army, police everywhere, all over Biafran land. That's they cannot do that. <laughs> but the Biafran land wanted to let the world know that we are united and we want to leave this entity called Nigeria. The whole Biafran land district everywhere was bare. Was it was like a dead zone. It was laid bare. It was just the security forces everywhere. They were mad. The government the government was shocked. The whole world was shocked. Because the British everybody saw it. Everybody. Al Jazeera came. Everybody were shocked. The whole street, major streets, because major markets in West Africa is in Biafran land because they are traders. The two major markets. The whole bridge that very bridge I told you the night everywhere was deserted. Was deserted. So they were shocked. They come together to, yeah. to remember yeah. those fallen. Yeah, because the leader gave, he said he's a sitter, sit at home for Biafran land. The, the other people, the other people around the world can, can go on evangelism. Like I went to, I went to Sydney. We all converge, the whole of Australia, those of us in Australia, we all converge in Sydney for the evangelism where we are talking to people, sharing our flyers, educating people. So, but in Biafran land was a shutdown. The ground, it was shut down. It cost the government six point six point about six point three billion, according to three billion dollars, according to yeah. Hit him where it hurts. <laughs> yeah, in the pockets. Yeah. So that's what's going on presently. So I th- we'll wrap up shortly. Um, is there anything that you'd like to to say to the people listening, or are there any any things that you'd just like to to mention before we wrap up? Yeah, I. I like to, I like to thank you for this opportunity to, you know, bring our problems, bring our plight, what we're going through, our sufferings to the world and to let them know that, I mean, the suffering hasn't even, I mean, it's just intolerable. It's, it's not ending any soon. So we're asking the world and whoever that would be listening to this podcast, to understand that we are suffering. It is not just um, uh, the Biafran people. Africa is not free. Some some people, when they look at Africa, they just like it for some reason, and they just, just wonder why things can't move there. You know, but they just don't understand that Africa is not free. That is the reason. People don't understand. They are not free. They are not free. The, these things, the, 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 this, the, the, they just give illusion. They just give them flag independence. They just every grain of sand in in especially in countries like Nigeria are owned by the British. Every grain of sand. No, Africa is not free. So we are speaking to the world. We need we want to be free. The Biafran people, we have died enough. We are speaking to the world to add their voice, to speak up. Because it is people the power still belongs to the people, we believe. Especially in free societies like Australia and every other free societies that share the same ideal. You know. We, we are, we are asking them, we are, you know, asking them and then pleading and then, and then in, you know, begging that they, they should come to our rescue. They should speak up. They should stand up. They should talk to, um, you know, add their voice and then talk to these people who, who have hell bent on subjugating other humans, you know, you know, to, to at least let people breathe for, for one, for one beat. You know, so that's what I'm asking. People should add their voice. The Biafran people in West Africa are suffering under Nigeria. Nigeria is a colonial empire. It is not in an African country. It is a colonial empire. You know, it is own economic slavery. Yeah, it's we are under economic political slavery. It is worse than what you had in the in the 15th century slavery. It was it was worse than that. People had drinking water at that time. People could had access. We don't have access to drinking water. We don't have access to, you know. When I say drinking water, that is the most basic, so that people can understand how much we we suffer there. We don't have access to drinking water. Our waters are polluted by British oil companies. People, but you can't do these things elsewhere. The other day. Um, uh, um, British oil companies in the Gulf of Mexico exploded. I, you know, you can imagine how much they were, how much they, they had to pay, they were subjected to pay. But no, who pays for us? Who, who, who stands, um, 
in our case no we die we just literally we, we literally live like an less than less than animals i mean animals have access to good water and i mean food and i mean we can't breed we can't do everything so, so we complete repression in all ways beyond imagination beyond imagination so how can the people listening to this it, it, if you know uh, what you've said is galvanize them and they want to help out in some way shape or form you said adding their voice what are other ways in which they can help and are there certain websites or places that they can go to to yeah to help people, out? yeah people can visit um www.radiobiafra.com you can you can visit www.radio rblworld.tv uh, I mean you can radio you can visit www.radiobiafrabroadcast.co uh, uh, you know so these are the website you can go to read about the Biafran people and then and then and then uh, you can also go to UN's uh, uh, page UN's uh, um, website and then and then you know urge them in whatever capacity you can do that i mean the U united nations um needs to needs to understand that biafrans have have had a long long age-long suffering biafran people have died enough so i believe that people who are listening if they can add their voice if they can speak to un in whatever capacity and then seek for ways to um, and bring, take this message to the most of the, um, these international, uh, uh, these world bodies, the Amnesty, the United Nations, and the rest of other global bodies. I mean, they, that would be, that would be mm -hmm. a goal for the Biafran people. And if people want to get in touch with you, uh, yeah. for some reason, how, how would they go about yeah, that? What yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, I'm on, I'm on, you can, you can, you can get in touch with me. I'm the coordinator of IPOB here in Queensland. Uh, um, I, I have my, uh, Facebook page. Okay, Kenta, go see fair. That's my pa Facebook page. And, um, my Twitter is okay, Kenta D. Um, that's my Twitter handle at okay, Kenta D. Then, you can you can you can find me if you're if you're here in Australia, you can you can type IPOB Australia, IPOB Australia forum in on on Facebook. You can get us. So those are the those are the contact points. And all, I'll put all of those links in the in the notes uh, on the internet, so um, people can can get in touch. All right. Well, Kasife, thank you very much. Thank for you. Taking the time to share your story. <laughs> thank you so much for giving me this time. I mean, I am more than happy, you know, because I, you know, we believe that we can never let rest on our laurels. We'll continue to um, talk to people who believe in humanity because we understand that as no matter how bad the people are, the people out there, are, there are still good conscience, people with good conscience, you know? So thank you so much. I, you're one of those people who, who, who've taken it upon yourself, like the people in the past, to, I mean, to create a change, to bring a change in the world. I mean, it happened in the, in the 1800s, it happened in the 1900s, you know, when people stood against injustice, you know, the people were dying for it. A young Jewish, Jewish boy, you know, set himself ablaze in front of United Nations in, in America when the Biafrans were dying. If you see the pictures of children that were dying, the guy came in front of, his name is Bruce Mayrock. He set himself ablaze, he poured himself well and then light lit himself. Since the, since the whole world has kept quiet while the Biafrans were dying, the, the, the man who owns Apple, he, he, he gave up Christianity because of the Biafran people. He mean, seeing the videos and how people were, women and children were being slaughtered. You know, he had to give up Christianity. Um, that was, um, uh, Tim Cook? no, oh, Steve Jobs, yeah. Steve yeah, Jobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Jobs. So it was because of the Biafran people, he gave up Christianity, you know, so, and a host of other people. So thank you so much for no, this opportunity. You. Well, thank you again to Gosife for the conversation. All of the links to what we discussed in the episode can be found in the show notes at talkoftoday.com. 
If you'd like to support the podcast, head to talkoftoday.com slash support or go straight to patreon.com slash talkoftoday. You can sign up to be my patron for as little as $1 a month. And I'm also accepting Bitcoin and Ethereum now. So if you want to send some of that on my way as a means of supporting me, that is more than welcome. I'm not going to be running any ads on this podcast. So by sponsoring me, you are literally making this possible and your support humbles me. Your generosity will help me work on this full time as I'm currently supporting myself with a few days a week of work. Uh, And I'd love to be able to talk about ideas and what's going on in the world full time because God, what a dream that would be. I'm also looking to buy some new audio equipment um, to improve the quality of my in-person interviews. I don't know if you might've noticed, but some of the interviews like this one and the one with Brendan Markey Towler on engineering a viral idea, uh, those were done in person and the audio quality is noticeably worse. And that's just because of my my budget setup, which I think cost me about $200 excluding my laptop and phone. Uh, so your donations will go towards getting some better equipment so that when I interview people in person, the sound will be nice and up to my standards. Over the next couple of months, I'm actually going to be in the US and Canada, and I think I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews in person. So I want to get this uh, equipment uh, sooner rather than later so that, uh, well, these podcasts don't sound like crap. And if you don't want to support... um, Financially, that is understandable. You can do. You can also support the podcast through talking to this about your friends, sharing it on social media, anything. So, thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. Oh, actually, I'll just tell you about the two podcasts that are coming up. The next one is on the inevitable technologies that are going to, that are going to shape our future with Kevin Kelly. Now, Kevin Kelly uh, was the co-founder of Wired Magazine, and he currently holds the position of Senior Maverick, which is a pretty badass title. And he could also be referred to as the Prophet of Silicon Valley. So I was super stoked to have him on the show, and that was a really interesting conversation, talking about artificial intelligence, virtual and augmented reality, uh, just a whole host of things. And his book, The Inevitable, is highly recommended. I, uh, I've listened to it twice over the past two months. Uh, and if you want to get a picture of what the world is going to look like when it comes to technology, I highly recommend uh, giving that a read. And the one following that is going to be on meditation with Dr. Sarah Lazar from Harvard University. And we talk about meditation and yoga and how it affects the brain. So if you're at all interested interested in that, please check it out. And... Uh, I think that's all for now, folks. So thank you very much for listening to the end. Any feedback or whatever is welcomed. Just hit me up through talkoftoday.com, through Facebook. Um, Talkoftoday.com is the best way to get to it because there are lots of links there. So thanks again and fare thee well.